What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hello, and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike D. Today, I want to talk about some actors who have retired or taken a break from acting. Several big movie stars just within the last year have announced their retirement possible retirements or just taking a break for a little while and I want to get into that. We'll do a movie review of The Lost City starring Sandra Bullock which is in theaters now and in the trailer park yet another trailer for Top Gun 2. A movie that's going into the history books with the most trailers ever released but it looks like we're finally getting it. So much to talk about on this week's episode. Thank you for being subscribed and listening every single week. Shout out to the Monday Movie Crew. Back here for another episode. Let's talk movies. In a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast, one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast. A man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. So if you haven't seen the news that came out last week, maybe we're wondering more about it. Bruce Willis has announced that he is retiring. It's been revealed that he's been battling aphasia which has impacted his cognitive abilities. And what that means is, according to the Mayo Clinic, it's a condition that robs you of the ability to communicate. It can be caused by a stroke, head injury, a brain tumor, or some other disease. So when you think about what a actor has to do to prepare for a role, to film a movie, to interact with their co-stars, this would be a very hard thing to live with. Just by that, realize how hard it would be just to live with that every single day. But then to have to be an actor where your whole job is to interact and react to other people. I don't know how he was able to do it for that long. 
without it being known. I spent a lot of time reading other people's posts about him. His ex-wife, Demi Moore, did a really touching post about it. And it just kind of furthers that point of you really never know what anybody is struggling with. And Bruce Willis has been one of the most recognizable faces in film for so many years. He's given us, I would say his best movie would be Die Hard. Pulp Fiction, his last movie was called A Day to Die, which came out in 2022. And he has a few more movies that have been completed, a few in post-production right now that will come out over the next couple, several years. So I don't think we'll really feel the effect of him retiring after being diagnosed with this for a while. But for someone who has nothing else to prove, has already given us so many movies, I think he should definitely take time and prioritize his health and just step away from everything. Like, forget making movies. And at 67 years old, he's constantly been putting out movies. And I think that just takes a toll on somebody, no matter if you're struggling with something with your health or just all together. And I think kind of when I was researching this episode, I realized a little bit more how demanding it is for an actor. And as movie fans, we always just want that next movie, that next project. We go watch something in theaters, we get excited about it, and we're already thinking about, well, when's the sequel come out? And to know how long it takes for a movie to get made, how much an actor has to travel around, be taken away from their families. And I know they are paid very well to do this job and all those things are a part of their job. We all have things that are, you know, difficult in our jobs, but I just feel like there's another level of pressure when it comes to putting out content, putting out movies and everybody just wanting and wanting more from you. And you get pulled in all these directions. You have people kind of relying on you now and you become this movie star. I can see how it can really wear on you. And I think that's the theme we're going to see here when I talk about some more of these actors. But I have a lot of respect for Bruce Willis, and I wish him all the best in his retirement. Next up, I want to talk about Cameron Diaz, who kind of quietly retired from acting. She got her start back in 1994. Her first movie was The Mask, which I would argue is her best movie. For that to be your debut movie, what a strong start in the 90s. And then her last movie was Annie in 2014, has nothing else on the books right now. There's possibly a Shrek 5 coming out that's kind of been in limbo since like 2016. So we'll see what happens with that. But she explained that her decision to step away from acting was to focus and manage other parts of her life. She said, when you do something at a really high level for a long period of time, when you're the person that is delivering one thing, you are the person on the screen and all parts of you that isn't that has to sort out to be handed off to other people. So I think what she was trying to say there is that her entire existence was dependent on her acting and she put so much into her on-screen characters that all the other aspects of her life had to be dealt with by other people and she didn't really get fulfillment out of you know being a normal human because she didn't have those normal human things in her life she went on to say this included different parts of my life my home every aspect from finances to management of just me as a human being not me as cameron diaz the machine She's now married to one of the brothers from Good Charlotte, and I feel like she has stated that she is so much better off and doesn't really miss acting whatsoever. And she's done so many great movies, not only The Mask, but There's Something About Mary, Charlie's Angels, The Holiday, 
and just always had this charming quality to all of her roles, which I think is why she was just such a great movie star. I think she's even more than just her comedic roles. I feel like she is an actor who could come out maybe in another five or 10 years and take on something she really believes in, a script that she is passionate about and show that she could give like a really big Oscar-worthy performance. I think Cameron Diaz has that in her, so we'll see if that ever happens. Next up, I want to talk about Jim Carrey, who just came out saying that he is considering retiring, and he is fairly serious about it. And he's doing interviews right now for Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which is pretty ironic. And he did step away from acting for a good while. He's kind of been known to take these little extended acting breaks. And when he started in the first Sonic the Hedgehog back in 2020, that was the first major movie role he did since 2014 sequel Dumb and Dumber 2, which wasn't very good. It was exciting to see him in that character again. And I had a lot of expectations going into that movie that weren't met. But I guess what could you really expect from a dumb movie like that to have a sequel so many years later? But it is what it is, I guess. I would say his best movie, though, was the original Dumb and Dumber. On the serious side, I really love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and The Truman Show. But I think where he really shines is his comedy movies. And I just thought it was interesting that he hadn't done a movie in so long. And the movie he decides to come back with is Sonic the Hedgehog playing Dr. Robotnik. And now, not just doing one movie, but this Friday coming out in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, bringing back that character. And it is a very zany, animated, you know, has all those kinds of ingredients that go into a Jim Carrey role. But it just seems like he's in a place where he's a little bit more on like this heightened intellectual level to play this character in a video game movie is just not the direction I saw him going in. And now that he's considering retiring, how strange would it be if the last new movie he was in is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 because he has no other projects coming out after this. He hasn't filmed anything. So if he's really serious about this, his last role will be coming out this Friday. Along those same lines in the comedic realm, let's talk about Eddie Murphy, who I feel his pinnacle of his career was a little bit before my time with Beverly Hills Cop in the 80s. I didn't really understand the magnitude of Eddie Murphy, and I'm a big fan of his comedy. I think Raw is probably one of the best comedy specials I've ever seen, and he was really one of the first comedians to take SNL and stand-up comedy and be able to turn it into a full-on Hollywood movie career and become one of the most profitable movie stars of all time. And everybody wanted a piece of Eddie Murphy in the 80s and he got to the level of where he could just do any movie he wanted, work in any comedic space that he felt suitable for. And I think that led to him doing some good movies like Dr. Doolittle and also led him to do a lot of really bad movies, which is ultimately what led to him retiring from acting. Because after he won the Razzie Award for the worst actor of the decade, that's when he decided to take a break, stating that he no longer wanted to make bad movies. He made a lot of really bad movies. Norbit. Why did he do that? 
The Adventures of Pluto Nash, one of the biggest box office bombs of all time. And I think he just picked the wrong movies. For somebody who's so funny and such a great comedian, you wonder why sometimes that doesn't transfer onto the big screen. Well, if the script is terrible, there's nothing you can really do in a comedic performance to change that. So we only planned to take like a year-long break. That turned into six years, and he didn't necessarily want to return, but then he did star in a movie called Dolomite Is My Name, which I watched on Netflix, and it was a good blend of just serious acting, where I think he really kind of shines into, but also comedic acting that he is just known for. And then he also returned with the Coming to America sequel that came out on Amazon Prime, which was the follow-up to Coming to America in 1988. So kind of along those same lines of Jim Carrey reprising one of his comedic roles. Decades later, Eddie Murphy did the same thing. So I feel like he is kind of back now. There's supposed to be a Beverly Hills Cop has been announced. And aside from just his live action roles, he's also just a really great voice actor. He's Mushu in Milan and of course Donkey in Shrek. So maybe him and Cameron Diaz do come back in that Shrek 5. I think my favorite Eddie Murphy movie is one that came out back in 1999 called Life. It's with him and Martin Lawrence. They get accused of this murder and both getting sentenced to life in prison. Has a very funny cast. Bernie Mac is also in it. It's a movie that kind of feels like it was based on a true story, even though it's all just fictional. So it's either that movie or probably Nutty Professor. The range on this guy. Next up, I want to talk about Emma Watson. Next up, I want to talk about Emma Watson, who is not officially retired from acting, but she takes these acting breaks. And I feel like Emma Watson is an actor who doesn't really have to do anything else. I think with Harry Potter alone, she's good. And the last Harry Potter movie came out in 2011. And since then, she's done 10 movies since, which is still a decent amount. But for the demand that she has, the level of fame which she reached, that's really not that many movies, especially with her last one coming out in 2019. And no other movies really announced for her. So she's taken multiple breaks over the years. She went to college. She became a Goodwill ambassador for the UN. So she's really taken her platform her fame, and used it for good, even just kind of stepped away from it completely. And at one point, it was kind of rumored that she was retiring after her agent allegedly announced that she wasn't looking for any new roles and then came out later and said that it was only like her social media that wasn't having any kind of presence, but her career is still happening. So I don't think she'll officially retire from acting. I think she's just become more particular on the role she does, because what we've been talking about here is it's a pretty demanding job and she's trying to do all these other things that fulfill her in other places of her life. She's out there doing things that are changing the world and doesn't necessarily have to be acting in a movie that comes out every single year in this entire cycle and going out and promoting it. It was cool to see her in the Harry Potter reunion. And I feel like for a second, we were all hoping to have that become a thing and a new movie shortly afterward to be announced. We didn't get that. I will talk a little bit more about Daniel Radcliffe and what I think of him in The Lost City and how that all kind of ties in together. But I think it's totally fine for actors to take a break. Really, sometimes we don't notice because at most we do get 
a movie a year from our favorite actors. And if two or three go by, I don't think we start wondering, hey, when are they going to put out another movie? No, we probably just go watch the movie we love them for. So for that reason, I'm okay with that. Moving on now to Joe Pesci, who I think has a very interesting career. His last movie came out in 2019, The Irishman on Netflix. Would you think, oh, 2019 is fairly recent. But before that, he had been retired for around 20 years. But Martin Scorsese calls him up. They're friends. They'd been working together for a very long time and wanted him to star in The Irishman, but he has not appeared in another project since. So you think, not acting for 20 years, Martin Scorsese calls you up and wants you to do another big crime epic. How could you say no, right? And I think why I'm so kind of interested in the career of Joe Pesci is because a lot of people know him as the short-fused, wisecracking gangster character he plays in a lot of movies. It's either that or you know him as one of the wet slash sticky bandits in Home Alone. And the fact that Goodfellas, which is my favorite Joe Pesci movie, and Home Alone, which is probably my second favorite Joe Pesci movie, both came out in 1990. I wish I was alive in that year to feel how weird it was to see an actor who in one movie is stabbing a guy in the trunk of a car or brutally shooting somebody for making fun of them. And then in another movie, well, it's not that far off now that I think about it, but trying to kill a kid while breaking into a house and stealing things. It's just weird for somebody to be in such an R-rated movie and then also be in this family-friendly Christmas movie. And how he does both so well. I think the hardest thing for him when he was doing Home Alone was not cursing. And he's in a role where it plays so easily into his normal shtick of uttering curse words. And if you go back and watch that movie, all the gibberish he's murmuring, like, like all of that in Home Alone is masking the curse words he actually wants to say. So he kind of invented this own language of his to get around You know, not saying curse words, but so many other movies like Raging Bull, Casino, My Cousin Vinny, crime movies have always just been his bread and butter. And that is the life of Joe Pesci. A few more actors here I want to talk about. Daniel Day-Lewis, whose last movie came out in 2017. It was a movie called Phantom Thread. He announced his retirement after that movie, saying that it was something he had to do. And this makes sense to me for Daniel Day-Lewis because he is a method actor And I feel like as a method actor, those roles probably take a bigger toll on you because he does so much research. He lives the character before he goes and does these movies. I'm talking straight up lives the life of this character, whether it be Abraham Lincoln having people call him by his character's name. And the entire time he's on set, he is that character. He goes home and takes that with them. I do not know what that is like, but I imagine you feel completely exhausted after that movie wraps and you get to go back to your normal life. I bet he doesn't want to speak to anybody for months after that. And you can only imagine what that does to a person. He also said, I need to believe in the value of what I'm doing. The work can seem vital, irresistible even. And if an audience believes it, that should be good enough for me. But lately, it hasn't. So kind of what I was talking about is 
he does take on characters and he goes full into them. But if he doesn't find anything he is passionate about enough to give that level of him, he doesn't take it on. And that makes sense to me. If you're going to dedicate your entire time, dedicate your life to something, each movie takes away a piece of you and you can never get that back. And if you think it's something even just a little bit that's not going to resonate with audiences, I feel like he is an actor that doesn't really get up in the morning for less than an Oscar-worthy movie. If it's not like even has a whiff of a Best Actor nomination, I don't think he's going to do it. So yeah, hasn't been in a movie since 2017. I think his best movie is probably from 2007, which is my favorite year in film. There Will Be Blood. Before that, I really like The Crucible. And he is one actor that I would almost argue doesn't really have a bad movie. Some that I maybe don't love as much. But for the reasons we've talked about here, he is very deliberate about these roles and also gives it his all. But I still feel like he has another great performance in him. Maybe the script will come across his desk someday. Let's talk about Rick Moranis. One of the biggest actors of the 80s, the early 90s, but he retired from film actually in the 90s. You probably remember him from movies like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Little Giants, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, Spaceballs, Little Shops of Horror. And even if maybe you didn't know his name in some of those movies that you watched, you will always recognize his face. My favorite movie, of course, is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I really love that entire series of movies. But he did his last major movie, but his last major movies was playing Barney Rubble in the Flintstones in 1994. And then he came out with a box office flop in 1996. It was a movie called Big Bully. But since then, hasn't done another major movie. He's done some voice work here and there. But the reason he retired from acting was in 1991, his wife passed away from breast cancer. And as we know now, acting is a very demanding job and he couldn't really continue to make films and be away from his family. He was trying to raise two kids as now a single parent and he decided to leave Hollywood to be a dad. He did some voice work for the next 23 years, but still in 1997, he decided to take a hiatus from making movies. And he later said in an interview, I'm a single parent and I just found that it was too difficult to manage to raise my kids and to do the traveling involved in making movies. So I took a little bit of a break and the little break turned into a longer break. And then I found that I really didn't miss it. And he even declined an invitation to be in Ghostbusters, the reboot that came out in 2016. I imagine maybe they tried to get him again for Ghostbusters Afterlife, or maybe they were just like, eh, he didn't want to do the other one, so he probably won't want to do this one. I've also seen him in a commercial with Ryan Reynolds recently, and then was appalled by the person who randomly punched him in the face while he was walking in New York City. So I think one of the most noble reasons for any actor to ever retire from acting, props to Rick Moranis. Another person who retired from acting was Michael J. Fox, has actually retired a couple of times. His last major movie was a movie called The Frighteners that came out in 1996. Since then, he's also been the voice of Stuart Little. He's done some TV work, but hasn't made any movies since. If you don't know, Michael J. Fox has Parkinson's. So his second retirement from acting came back in 2020. 
And I know we are living in a world of we're sick of Hollywood doing the same thing over and over. And I would hate to ruin the legacy that is the Back to the Future trilogies, one of the best trilogies in the history of film. But I think we're at a point to where we want to get people excited again about things. And sometimes it's those things that we've loved for a very long time. And while he is retired from acting, I don't think we're looking at him as reprising the role as Marty McFly. But I think something along the lines of Mark Hamill coming back in Star Wars, how beautiful of a moment would it be for him to come back? And I think we're all becoming infatuated with different timelines and multiverses. Back to the Future was doing that back in the 80s. And I never thought I would see what went down in Spider-Man No Way Home. So the impossible is no longer impossible. And then finally, which will take us into the movie review this week, Sandra Bullock did recently announce that she is also going to be taking a break from acting to be with her family. She said, I take my job very seriously when I'm at work and it's a 24-7 commitment. And now I just want that 24-7 to be with my babies and my family. That's where I'm going to be for a while. So she hasn't really said how long of a break she's taking. She does have one more movie coming out this year called Bullet Train. She's not the star in that movie, but she will have a role in it. So The Lost City looks like her last major starring role. So I feel like that's a perfect place to end this right here because I'm going to come back and give my review of The Lost City. But all I'm going to say now is I know... After watching this movie, it was not made for me. We'll do that next. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? 
Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Going to get into a spoiler-free movie review now of The Lost City starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum. It's about a reclusive romance novelist on a book tour with their cover model played by Channing Tatum. She gets swept up in a kidnapping attempt by Daniel Radcliffe's character, and that lands them both in this jungle adventure. So you have three pretty big movie stars in this movie. Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Daniel Radcliffe. It's supposed to be a romantic comedy adventure movie. If you haven't seen or heard about this yet, here's just a little bit of the Lost City trailer. Loretta Sage is missing. I'm going to rescue her. I just want her to think of me as more than a cover model. Let's start living dangerously. Alan, what are you doing here? We're here to save you. I'm certified CPR. I'm certified CrossFit. I have snacks. Off to them! This is like your book. We're on a Love More and Dash adventure right now. I'm going to help you out a little bit. Let's go. What are you doing? Don't do yeah, that. Go. Oh, Come God. On. Feels like there's more. Holy mother of God. Uh, I just suck it on my butt like a big old Jamba Juice. Oh. So I love Sandra Bullock. I would say she's one of my favorite actors. I think it's because of the range that she has in just the last 10 years. She's done sci-fi movies. She's done action movies. She's done romantic comedies. She's done dramas. I feel like she is somebody who can do it all. And I love somebody who has the range that she does. It just makes it a little bit more of a refreshing experience every time you go into a movie. And they're playing somebody different. And I saw a lot of other people enjoying this movie. It's supposed to be a romantic comedy with some action in it. And I like it when she does, you know, these type of movies. For somebody who can do drama so well, she's also just a very funny person. If I had to list my top five Sandra Bullock movies, I would probably go with number five being Miss Congeniality, number four being Gravity, number three being Bird Box, number two being Speed, and number one being The Blind Side. And if I had to rank The Lost City, it would probably go down there with maybe All About Steve or Speed 2. And I think the reason that is, is the casting in this movie. It feels a little bit like they got it wrong. Because with Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, I didn't feel like there was a whole lot of on-screen chemistry. And I know in this movie, they're supposed to kind of be conflicting character emotions. And what the movie is about, she's been writing these romance novels and it doesn't really fulfill her anymore. Channing Tatum is just the cover model of these books who... Has, you know, the blonde wig, the rippling physique. But aside from his looks, there's not a whole lot of substance to him. At least so it seems. And then somehow they kind of fall into him having feelings for her. And he wants to declare his love by going to rescue her after Daniel Radcliffe's character kidnaps her. Because he believes she is able to decode This message that she put into her Lost City book, which is all about finding some hidden treasure. So Channing Tatum is on a mission to go and find her. Then you throw Brad Pitt in there randomly. And the whole story just doesn't really make sense. 
And I think that's because I don't really find the two of them believable. And I love Sandra Bullock so much, but her acting in this movie just feels a little bit pieced together. And I know she's just so used to kind of throwing herself in a role. And it didn't really feel like that here. It could be the writing, but there's just something about the production of this movie that I didn't really feel like I was in the world they were trying to create. Maybe it's because some of the CGI was so apparent that I just felt like it was a bunch of actors on a set. Like I was watching Sandra Bullock at work and not trying to be this character and really trying to tell a story here. The movie overall was funny-ish, but I think I realized I was maybe a little bit too young and too male to be the target audience for this movie. And I think I realized that in the moments where Channing Tatum was shirtless and then when you see his butt in the movie. And Channing Tatum can be a funny guy. I like him in 21 Jump Street. And he does what he needs to do in this movie, provides a little bit of comic relief and provides the eye candy. But I just never really bought into the romance aspect of this movie. And then you have Daniel Radcliffe as the villain in this. And he was surprisingly the best part of this movie. And I kind of like him in a villain role. And it kind of made me realize why I know he will never do a Harry Potter movie again. Because for the first time, I didn't really see him at all as Harry Potter. And I feel like him going back and I know they wanted him to be in The Cursed Child. But I kind of feel like that would be a step back for him now because he has tried so hard to take on roles and really separate himself from that. I don't think this movie will really change the perception on him overall, but it shows that he can be and do more than that. So now that Sandra Bullock is taking a break from acting, I feel like it would have been better if she went out on a higher note. And it's almost more so that I feel like Again, I can recognize that this movie wasn't for me. And I've seen some bad romantic comedies in my day. And this movie is in no way cringeworthy. But if I had like an itch to see a classic kind of Sandra Bullock romantic comedy like The Proposal, I didn't get it here. But I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think somebody else could watch this movie and love it. It's very much a turn your brain off, have some popcorn type movie. The comparison I've used in the past is it looks like it's made perfectly for like a TBS Saturday afternoon. So if I had to rate The Lost City, and it could also be that I was just coming off of seeing Uncharted, which was kind of in the same vein of a treasure hunting adventure movie. Maybe I just wasn't into it for that reason too, but I would rate it lower than Uncharted and I would give it two out of five romance novels. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Now it's time for the part of the podcast where I break down a movie trailer for a film coming to you very soon, streaming or in theaters, in a segment we like to call... It's time to head down to Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And today we're talking about Top Gun 2, which has been a pretty big topic of conversation on this podcast for over two years. Probably since I started this podcast, we've been waiting for this movie for so long. And they've released the final trailer, which is a good sign because final trailer is out. And that means the movie has to come out now on May 27th. And Paramount has been pushing this back largely probably due to Tom Cruise wanting it to be seen in theaters and break all these box office numbers. We'll get into all that here in a little bit, but now here is just some of the final Top Gun trailer. Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. My dad believed in you. I'm not going to make the same mistake. So after seeing this trailer, we get a little bit more of a peek into what it's actually going to be about. You have Tom Hanks returning as Maverick. And after pushing the envelope after years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, he's back. It's described as Tom Cruise having to confront the past while training a new squad of graduates from a dangerous mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice. Few things I really like about this trailer. To start, it has like that same kind of 80s vibe. The hotshot returning to train this new set of aviators it just kind of has that feeling of this really could have been the sequel that should have came out in the 80s but then the parallels to that is the advances in cinematography that this movie has taken on 
And that is easily what I am most excited about is the visual aspect of this movie and just the scope of the angle you get from the fighter jets, all of the stunts and special effects in this movie look very practical. They went through this training to really make it be as believable as it can be. And that's kind of Tom Cruise's brand now. So there's real flying, real G-forces, and it just looks like it's meant to be seen on a big screen, which is largely due to the reason it has been pushed back for so long. I think it probably would have been a little bit of an injustice for this just to come out on streaming and for somebody to watch it for the very first time on their TV at home or even worse, their laptop. I think that's how the filmmakers feel about this. I think that's really how Tom Cruise feels about this. I feel like it's that aspect, but also he makes a lot of money from the box office, not just in this movie, but in the next Mission Impossible movie that comes out. A large part of his deal is his bankability as one of the biggest movie stars ever to be able to put into his contract the money he gets on the back end and to the point to where he can even sue if he feels like he is robbed of that, if he feels like they put it on Paramount Plus too soon after the theatrical window, he has that kind of leverage on a movie like this. So Tom Cruise, not one of my favorite actors, not even the biggest fans of all his movies, but I think just as a movie fan and somebody who loves seeing things that are meant to be seen on the big screen, and as a fan of somebody who is passionate about bringing people back into the theater, really keeping that movie-going theater experience alive, I am all for that. So I can recognize that this movie is a movie that will get people back to having that feeling again, a feeling that I feel should be enjoyed by everybody. And no matter what movie I go and see, I still always get that feeling just a little bit, whether it's watching The Lost City, whether it's a movie I've seen getting bad reviews going into it, there's still an element of enjoyment I get just by sitting in a theater, watching it at the highest quality I feel it can be. Because I feel like that experience for me can heighten even the worst movie, a movie that at home I would turn off and maybe 20, 30 minutes and not ever think about it again, at the movie theater, it can still be a somewhat enjoyable experience. So I hope this movie follows through with my expectations and meets all the hopes and dreams I've had for it over the last two years. Mainly, I just want this movie to be out already. I can't stand another delay, and this is the last time I'm putting it in the trailer park. And that was this week's edition of Movie Minds Trailer Park. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks, everybody, who makes it to the very end. And if you've been listening for any amount of time, you know this is where I do the listener shout-out because I just like to say thank you to anybody who posts about the podcast in their Instagram story, leaves a comment on Facebook, tweets about the podcast, because I really appreciate everybody who posts about the podcast in their Instagram story, tweets about it, writes over on my Facebook page, or sends me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com, because it's that word of mouth, sharing it with a friend that really helps this podcast grow. And I really just value your time and appreciate that you take a part of your week out with me here on the podcast talking about movies. So that's why I do this listener shout out every single week. And this week it is going to 
at Wandering Nurse Katie K, who tagged me in her Instagram story in my favorite fashion of a picture of the car dashboard, listening to last week's episode, and she wrote on it, listening to Movie Mike's movie podcast yesterday, and I completely agreed with his wife, Kelsey, about Wally. It is the most boring Pixar movie ever. I was surprised to see a lot more people having similar feelings about Wally. I still think the message was important in that movie, but now it does make sense to me why some people didn't enjoy that one as much. So appreciate that, Katie. Here's your shout out for having such a passionate feeling about Wally. And I hope this was a good start to what will be another great week in your life. And remember, go out and watch good movies, and I will talk to you later. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, ten a girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait, did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org.